This is the Millionaire Real Estate Podcast, where you'll learn the strategies and tactics you need to become a millionaire agent. Learn from top agents, brokers, team leaders, and experts in the industry who can help you on the path to success. And now, here's today's episode. Well, welcome, everybody. We are so glad you're with us today on Millionaire Real Estate Live. And I'm so excited to introduce the guest speaker today, who is Mike McCarthy. He's a husband, a father, a serial entrepreneur, and he also is the regional operating partner for Greater Pennsylvania. Uh, and he's uh, proud to lead over 11,000 agents in multiple locations, selling over $25 billion in real estate sales with Keller Williams. He's also the co-founder of GoBundance Mastermind and the co-author of The Tribe of Millionaires. He also is part of a book called, with his wife, he wanted me to make sure I said that, called The Miracle Morning for Parents and Families, and is writing the accompanying family playbook. And we're going to talk all to, about today about the importance of building a legacy and building a legacy with your family. So Mike, welcome. Yeah, thank you. I'm I'm grateful to be here. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity. Well, let's talk, I'd love for you to share your screen right now and kind of talk a little bit of some of the things that you've developed in your book and how you can share that with, with us. Absolutely. Let me just pull this up. Can y'all see that? Yes. Awesome. Well, again, just uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really grateful to be here. And uh, I just want to talk to you a little bit today about putting our families first. I think uh, we invest a lot of time into our investments, into our businesses. And sometimes as salespeople and entrepreneurs, uh, we maybe don't have as purposeful or enough time to spend with our family. And that can really impact the legacy that we're leaving. And I know a lot of people will say, hey, I'm, I'm doing this for the family. I'm working hard. And that's so admirable. And at the same time, if we're not careful, we can let that overrun uh, the ability to spend that quality time. So this is just a, a preview of some of the leadership tools and tactics that we teach in the Miracle Morning Companion Guide. Uh, it's our playbook. And within that, you'll find exercises that you can do with your family that will help you to bring uh, leadership into your home. Uh, but why is that really important? You know, for me, my family is everything to me. And I think it's important to say that uh, my family is a more uh, average or standard looking American family. It's me, my wife and two kids, but family is really whatever you define it to be. And, uh, you know, maybe some of you have kids, maybe you don't, maybe you were a kid yourself at one point, so you can relate to this. Uh, but what I want to share with you is really around family legacy. And I love before this quote. You do, before yep. you do, Mike, I want you to tell us a couple of the things that you are your favorite in the miracle morning for the family that is specific to that, that you would say, give us three things that are your top favorite from that book. Um, you know, I think, you know, bottom line is that there are six things that we teach that become the acronym CHARMS in the Miracle Morning, uh, which is how to do that 
practice. If you're familiar with the Miracle Morning for adults, it's to do six personal development practices right when you get up before you start your day. We've converted what those are for adult and made them more fun for children. So it's the CHARMS, which stands for creativity, health, affirmations, reading, meditation, um, and service. And so in our family, we like to teach our kids that before they can access screen time, uh, we really want them to have time to develop who they are as a person, as a, as a young person. And so we teach in that book a lot of strategies on um, how do you allow your children to create their own miracle morning and let them sort of get creative, but also have some boundaries within what personal development really looks like. And we found that those are just super powerful um, over time uh, to have the kids get after. And it's just something that's not taught in school, most of the, the aspects of the charms. That's great. But give us give us a couple of practical examples, like for you and your kids, like what what would you have them do in the morning that would would be part of that miracle morning? Um, well, we would do a lot of activities with them. So my wife started uh, having them do creative time. And that's actually where they would develop what their affirmations would be. And so they wrote out affirmations. Uh, we started them with uh, ABC affirmations. So they just pick a word that's empowering for each letter of the alphabet. And they would say, I am awesome. I am brave. I am creative. And so it's just sitting with them and giving them the ability. Here's a model that you can use to create your, your affirmations. Um, you get to pick the words, but we want you to sort of do it in this format. So they've got a little bit of guidance and a little bit of creativity uh, mixed in there that they get to exercise. Awesome. I love that. Keep going. Cool. So when it comes to family legacy, I love this quote by Warren Buffett, which is give your kids enough to do anything, but not enough to do nothing. And a book that you might check out if you're interested is called Entrusted. And within that book, he talks about when it comes to legacy, we don't want to pass along the fire, the actual wealth, without first teaching them to respect how a fire is created. So we wanna give them flint and kindling and allow them to, to learn how to build their own fire as opposed to just giving them the power of the fire. Um, and I love this last quote about just leading by example, which is I can't tell my children to reach for the sun. All I can do is reach for it myself. You know, your children are always watching. They learn a lot from what you do and very little from what you say. And so, when it comes to legacy, there's really two different aspects to the legacy that all of us will leave behind. And whether that's with children or with the organizations we are a part of or have started, um, or just the values or the way that we've made people feel becomes a legacy, how we treat people, how we show up for others. But the tangible side that is usually related to legacy is money, property, businesses, collectible securities, the hard aspect of a tangible asset, something that's truly passed down physically. The intangible side, though, I would argue is much more important when it comes to your family legacy. So what are your family values? What are the guiding principles for your family? What are the character traits? Uh, what leadership qualities have you developed uh, in future generation? Uh, what are the delights, disciplines, and deeds 
um, that you want to share with them that they can carry with them through their life. And it's really an identity of their family. And it's it's really emotional capital when when you boil it down to one word. So when it comes to having a choice, um, you have to understand that we work very hard to build legacies, but we have to work just as hard to make sure that the people that we're building the legacy for truly understand it, know what it's all about and value the hard work, the effort um, and the values that produced whatever that legacy might be. Um, if you know anything about the Vanderbilt, you'll know that um, uh, at one point, the Vanderbilts were one of the wealthiest families in the world. And today there's not a single millionaire amongst them. And the reason is because they passed only the tangible uh, legacy. They didn't pass any of the intangible from the patriarch of the family. So uh, the third generation, William Kissam Vanderbilt was actually quoted as saying, inherited wealth is a real handicap to happiness. It's left me with nothing to hope for, nothing definite to seek or strive for. And that's pretty sad because here are kids that were essentially in a lot of ways, ruined by the legacy that was left to them. They were philanthropists and they were often never seen without a drink in their hands. So they just didn't have a lot of purpose, direction, or drive. Um, so in the Miracle Morning for Parents and Families playbook, we actually teach uh, these seven exercises that are in front of you. And we give you a guide of how to do these exercises with your family. So we have a family bedtime ritual, a screen time contract. The star system is actually how we handle um, allowance. And within our family, we have a currency called stars and the kids can earn those stars and then spend them on things that we agree on. Um, and then a family meeting. We do weekly family meetings in our family, but we recommend that your children see an organized meeting at least once a month in your house where you talk about what's important. You talk about your family goals, which is also another um, part of our exercises. How do you create goals as individuals within in the family and also do that uh, as a family together? Um, we also have an exercise that's very powerful, which is to create your family values and then also your family miracle morning. So how do you create structure and identify what each member of the family is going to do for their miracle morning? Now, if you want to look at this, it is available on Amazon, and you can also get two free chapters or exercises just by going to miraclemorning.com slash PF playbook, and that'll give you a couple of the exercises you can check out and try them at home with your family. But what I'm uh, proposing here is that you use the techniques that build better teams to build better families. And... Um, what you're doing then is bringing your leadership into the home. And I think if your home team is your number one team, you'll develop amazing children who are prepared to help make a difference in a world that really needs them right now. Can you um, go back to that slide that you that you just had on for just a second? Sure. And I'd love for you to just, I, I'm really a practical you know, learner. And so I love for you to give a couple of things that you would say, to give us some practical handles on it. So like the star system, for example, give us some practical things that you do at your house that give them the different stars and how they would earn money for that. Yeah. So in our house, like if they uh, clean up 
uh, room, if they empty the dishwasher, if they load the dishwasher, uh, folding their laundry, sweeping out the garage. Um, those are some of the t- the typical, just standard chore like uh, things are generally what they are. But we can also do things like they get stars if we catch them living our family values. So um, we're constantly talking about our family values and then looking for an opportunity to celebrate when someone is living those values. So those are some of the ways they earn stars. They spend their stars on two things, uh, screen time. So they've got to exchange stars if they want a half hour of screen time, or they can trade it in for money. We used to have a list of 20 different things they could use for stars, but it turns out that kids were just interested in two things, the money and the screen time. Um, So that's what it boils down to as far as what they spend it on. Uh, What's great about that is it's all a negotiation. So if they wanted to add something at any time they can, it's just a negotiation they've got to go uh, through with mom and dad and talk through, okay, well, what, what, what do you think you should earn for that then? And what do you want to spend it on? So it's pretty flexible. Awesome. And then describe what you do in your family meeting. So what does that family meeting look like? Yeah, of course. So we try to meet weekly and we will first sit down and share gratitude for each member of the family. So we'll all say why we're grateful for mom and mom says she's why she's grateful for herself. Then everyone will say why they're grateful for my daughter. And then she'll say why she's grateful for herself. So we kind of do like a gratitude shower on every member of the family. Then we share our high point moments, which are over the last week or since our last meeting, what have been our peak experiences or best memories or most important things that have happened. And so we'll recall those and re-celebrate, relive those moments, uh, which is very positive. And then we'll celebrate when people have lived the family values. We'll talk about one specific value and what it means to our family. Uh, After that, we move to goals. And so each kid will share uh, how they're doing on their individual goals. Every kid has a hard goal and in and a fun goal that they're working on uh, at all times. And the parents try to fall in line and model that as well, though I generally have a lot of hard and fun goals, not just one, but they'll they'll circle in on just one. Uh, then we'll talk about our family goals and how those are going. We set collective family goals uh, like to go to 10 national parks last year. We, we, we did that goal um, just as an example. And so we go over those goals and then we see how we're doing. We benchmark them much like you would do if you were meeting with your real estate team and, and going over your goals. How can we support you? What do you need to do? Uh, then we'll go over the schedule for the upcoming week and we'll talk about uh, where we'll be working on our goals throughout the week and, and make sure those the goals and the schedule line up. And then after that, my wife will actually go through the kids' finances and show them what their net worth is uh, based on their investment portfolios. They all have um, stock accounts and they trade stocks, not because I think that's a great investment, by the way, I'm a real estate guy, so I don't invest in stocks. I invest in real estate, but you can't um, doubt or or downplay the, the learning lessons that come from owning a part of a company and watching it go up and down. Uh, and then we all put our hands in and we close the meeting with a one, two, three McCarthy's uh, and close the meeting with a little bit of energy. So that's our basic family meeting. It's 45 minutes to an hour. 
And uh, the more we do it, the easier it gets. My kids are 13 and nine. We started when they were four and eight with that. And now a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Kanzel Realty. One of the other things we give you is revenue share, where you get five levels of money in your downline every time you attract an agent to the company. And guess what? The first three levels open up right away. So let's pretend like you're not a great recruiter, but you bring on a couple people who are heavy hitters. Guess what? You don't have to hire five or 10 agents to open up those tiers. You automatically get those. So that's what makes us very different. This is Kanzel. I love that. And I love the gratitude shower. I think that is, I, we call it an encouragement circle um, where we go around and encourage everyone in the family. So I do the same thing, but we call it an encouragement circle. So tell us some of the unique family values that you guys have, just so we can get a glimpse of what yours are. Yeah. I mean, there is a slide with all of those coming up. If you want, I could oh, yeah. uh, roll to that slide and then we could dive into that a little bit. Um, sure. And everyone can just see what what we even hang all over our house is a graphic that has our values on it. So sure. I'll come to that in a moment. Um, so um, so I just wanted to stop for a moment because we're talking about leadership and you know, I believe that high-performing teams use the defined values and guiding principles to make decisions in the present and create the future. Um, I also believe that high-performing teams not only co-create their values and guiding principles, but they do it together with the family or with the team, and they give equal voice and decisions and the opportunity to create their own destiny. And this is a really important part about our approach to leadership our, our family's approach to leadership is a more modern approach to leadership that is all inclusive, that enables equal voices and treats each person as if they add a lot of value to what you're doing. The older style of leadership, which I kind of grew up under, was command and control. The leader had all the answers and they told you how it was. Um, we find that that doesn't work as well um, today, that people really want to have a voice in their values and their goals and what they're going to be creating. So I just share that to distinguish uh, the difference between the style of leadership that I'm asking everybody to consider bringing into their home uh, might be different than the leadership they experienced growing up. I know I grew up in an era of children are to be seen and not heard. Um, this is the exact opposite approach to that. This is where we see here and, and respect what everybody has to offer. Um, so if you are leading with your family, sometimes we have to hide the medicine in the cheese. That's how I get my dog to take uh, medicine when when the when they need to. And what that really means is if you're going to un unleash some of these exercises and practices within your home, you want to have a very delicate and soft approach. And you don't want to try to force it all. You want to just kind of take it incrementally and go slow. Um, so you do want to make sure that you ask just generative questions of your family. And that would just be positive facing uh, questions that create a sense of safety in the person that's asking them. So what are you grateful for? You know, what can you appreciate about this? Those are all generate, generative questions. What would you like to see in the future is a generative question. And you want to avoid asking complicated or long questions. Keep it very simple. 
Uh, wait for the right moments to ask these questions. It could be in a family meeting, or you could use this style of leadership outside of the family meetings to just simply engage with your children or with your spouse. Um, don't force feed them a, a meeting. Uh, you know, don't don't make them attend meetings. Listen and appreciate their answers, and you know, don't try to coach or badger or change their answer. Their answer is their answer, so accept it for what it is. And then relax, have fun, and and set the energy uh, yourself because you need to have fun and relax if you want them to have fun and relax. Um, so here's the family values I was talking about. Um, so just to give you an example of one, uh, servant leaders is one of the ones that we we talk about a lot in our family, and that is that we are kind to all and generously share our life's blessings to set a loving example for the like-hearted families we bring together. We have six of them that are all listed out here, but what's unique about our approach to creating values is that we have a title as well as a description that explains what it looks like to live these values. And they aren't just clever words that we wordsmithed and came up with as a family. We first studied all of the stories of our family, not only in my generation, but in my kids' generation and even my parents' generation. We studied the family stories and we asked ourselves, uh, when have we been at our best? And what were the strengths and values that were present during those stories? So you're actually mining the family stories to, to come up with the values. Um, any other questions on, on the values? So give, give me an example of ones that you've, you've done. So like maybe for you or ones that you've seen that are really good. Give us some examples. Um, of family values. Yes. Okay. I mean, well, here are all, uh, all of ours right here. So Another one would be that the McCarthy's are playful adventurers. We intuitively open to new possibilities and we explore the world together, finding the magic in every moment. Um, so that would be another example of McCarthy's are servant leaders and playful adventurers. Another one would be uh, that we are resilient warriors. So we are strong, courageous, and swift because we embrace our McCarthy family motto that nothing is difficult to the brave and faithful. And that that motto is actually from the original McCarthy coat of arms in Cork County, Ireland. So it's a, this is actually tapping into more of the history, just something that we did uniquely within our values. Does that, does that answer your question? Yes, absolutely. We are doing this on podcast too. So some people won't be able to see it, but we do encourage mm. you to do it. Uh, if you're listening to this on the podcast, please go to the YouTube channel and you'll be able to find this so you can actually see it because some things are visual. Give us two more examples of family values of someone else that you feel like were really good. Can you remember any? I can't specifically remember any other family values other than my own. Sometimes I can only remember five out of six of my my own, actually. But uh, I could share a couple more off of this sheet if you'd like. And I think that's important for what you just said, is that they say that if you can try to keep them to five or less, because sometimes people are like, oh, let's come up with 10 family values. Like the shorter they are, the less they are is actually better because everyone in the family should be able to say it and be able to memorize it. And if you think about it, if there's too many, you're not going to be able to say them. You're not going to be able to memorize them. So less is more, wouldn't you say? 
Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think you just want to make sure you encompass the whole of what your family stands for. And if you can do it in less words, that would certainly be more powerful. I love it. You just want to make sure there's a clear description of what it means. Because I've seen value exercises where the family values are just eight words. And a lot of times, um, abundance might mean something different to different people. Service, family, uh, any if you pick any one word, uh, it you just might need a definition to go along with it. So I just recommend you create a value, which is the title, and then a guiding principle, which is the description of how you live that value. And I love that the one where you say we live in integrity through accountability and work together as a team to support each other in achieving our goals, because that way, if someone says, well, you're giving me a hard time about doing this, you can turn around and say, listen, one of our family values is we live in integrity through accountability and we want to work together in achieving our goals. And that's part of our family values. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Yeah. And that the title of that value is peaceful collaborators. So, you know, if they know the definition, we can really say, hey, are you being a peaceful collaborator right now? And that will sometimes stop somebody's behavior and change it towards the positive. I love that. Yeah. So, you know, one thing about values too, is that they are caught, not taught. So they're going to, the values need to be something you're living already within your family because you can't have an aspirational value because that's not what they've been taught by your actions or by how your family shows up. Um, Once you have values, I recommend you hang them all over your house, make sure the family can see them, and then actually catch each other living the values. Like I talked about in our family meeting, we have a space just for that. Talk about them often and their impact, discuss them at regular family meetings, and then revisit, reiterate, and revise as your family grows so that so will your values as your family grows. So um, we actually started with four. We added uh, a fifth and sixth one. Originally, we got started doing these types of family uh, uh, interactions and collaboration because within GoBundance, my mastermind, while I was CEO for three years, I started FamBundance, which is where we actually brought over 150 families together over a course of three years, and we facilitated them creating their values uh, together as families. And so... um, That's something that has helped us to really structure these in a way that um, I believe is most powerful for families. Now, within our family, we reiterated because as we taught other families how to do this, we went through the exercise multiple times. And so that's when we probably added the sixth, the fifth and sixth value at some point as well. Um, So we'll we'll move on from values here. Uh, Any questions or anything to add around this? No, I think that's great. Okay. Awesome. You know, so one of the things I was going to share is that, you know, part of this uh, bringing leadership into the home isn't so much about us leading our children, but in many ways it could be in enabling our children to feel powerful enough to lead us. And I have the experience of when my son was five years old, I had a moment of clarity, intuition, whatever you want to call it. We were playing in the garage together and I sat him down for a second. There was a step stool uh, ladder there. And I said, Tyler, I want you to know that uh, you taught me about love 
And I'm so glad that you came here to be my son, because without you, I wouldn't understand love at the level that I do. And there was this look of pride and he stood up and he walked up two stairs on the step ladder and he gave me a hug and kissed me on the top of the head. And this was a beautiful role reversal moment where I got to see what it looked like for a child to believe that they had a big impact on their parent, a positive impact. And so I really would just say that children with leadership, collaboration, and communication skills are our world's greatest path to changing the world. So in a lot of ways, we we are going to be following their lead. There's a lot of issues or challenges in the world right now. And I think most of us would agree that they aren't going to get solved in our lifetime. They're going to eventually be solved by our children. So the sooner we can empower them to know that they have creativity that is exceptional, that they have problem-solving abilities, that they can face the problems of the future, then the more likely I think they're going to be able to go forth and do that. So um, that's what I would share about that. And you know, if we can give our children a voice, um, that will empower them. Uh, I think we want to bring our families together. That's ultimately what I'm saying. And I think to do that, there's a few things I want to mention that are really important. One is that you really want to work closely with each individual family member to get their buy-in before you do something like the values exercise or the goals exercise. You want to explain to them why it's important, what the impact would be on them, on the family. You want to really hit on why it's important for them specifically, what's in it for them, and then share the value they can add individually and how that helps the family. You want to really start to seed that idea that, hey, we really want you involved in this. You really have value to add. This is something that can really help shape our family's future and our destiny. And then you want to ask, you want to offer, maybe even bribe them to go to the meeting, but you never want to demand or require. And the most effective way of for me to get my kids to engage in any of these activities of goal setting, uh, you know, of family meetings, uh, creating values is to actually say to them, Hey, we're going to do this exercise. I would love for you to be a part of it. But if you are not just understand that we're going to do it without you, we're going to create the values. We're going to create the goals. We'd love for you to have a say in it, but if you don't want to, then that's your choice. That usually gets them to engage because nobody wants their goals set for them. No one wants to have to follow or live by values that they didn't have a say in. And so that can often be a way in. Like I said, we started this with our kids when they were four and eight. Some of you may be asking, I, I have a young child. When is too young or when is the age that you could start involving kids in this? And my answer would be that you're never, they're never too young to witness powerful collaborations and starting to learn that whether they can meaningfully contribute or not should not have any impact on whether they're invited to be a part of the process. So always invite them, give them a chance to be a part of it. And as long as they're not disruptive, allow them to watch what's happening. They may give you answers or make no sense whatsoever. Maybe they don't even talk yet, but that exposure I think can be very powerful. The more you can expose them, the better. 
Mm, I love this. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. We are out of time, but this was amazing, Mike. Thank you so much. Tell listeners where they can find you and where they can follow you. Yeah, thank you. Um, So if you uh, are interested in connecting, my email is mikemccarthy at me.com. So I'll just throw that out there. If anyone has follow-up questions or gets into this and is uncertain, I would be happy to help. Um, You can find The Miracle Morning for Parents and Families, the main book that talks more about the personal development practices in the morning on Amazon, as well as the accompanying playbook, which has all seven of these exercises. Um, And I had shared earlier at uh, miraclemorning.com slash PF playbook is a place where you can download two free exercises. I love that. Thank you, Mike, for being with us. Absolutely phenomenal. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a rating and a review so we can get this out to more agents. And tune in next week for another power-packed episode. This is the Millionaire Real Estate Podcast.